Welcome to the era of people shock, the time when robots and artificial intelligence are taking over more and more, but at the same time, they're making that little bit that's left for human connection more important than ever before. What we explore on this Frank Reactions podcast on customer experience is how you can get the human part right so that your customers will rave about how great your organization is and they'll send more business your way, as well as buying more themselves. My name is Tema Frank, and this is episode 120 of the Frank Reactions podcast on customer experience. We're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And today we're talking with Matt Rudlinger, who's the owner of Triple R Marketing and a fellow customer experience fanatic. We talk about sales, that has been a bit of a theme on this podcast lately, but mainly we talk about creative ways that you can help your offering stand out in a crowded marketplace. A lot of that has to do with little customer experience touches that nobody else is offering. Before we jump on the interview, and since this is a show that only airs bi-weekly, so I won't have an episode on March 8th, which is International Women's Day, I wanted to point out to you the latest episode of the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed podcast, where this month they're chatting with city councillors Bev Esslinger and Sarah Hamilton about women in politics and discussing some excellent programs for women that are run locally by the YWCA and by a wonderful group called Women Building Futures, which helps women get into construction-related careers. I really love how the Edmonton Community Foundation helps locals, even people who aren't super rich, set up endowments that help keep our community strong. And it uses those funds for an amazing array of fantastic programs in the city. If you live in a city that doesn't have something like the Edmonton Community Foundation, you should really check it out and look at setting up something similar in your town. It's really a fantastic model. Now, on to the interview. My name is Matt Rudlinger, and we work with businesses and helping them create experiences to stand out in all the noise. So how do you do that? What we do is we work with the business and learning more about who their ideal client is, mm-hmm. and uh, we go through customer empathy and uh, personas and figure out what their message is and what makes them unique so that they can grab their attention because we all know when you're on social media, you're competing against family and friends. <laughs> so how do you reach them and then how do we create help those businesses create experiences so that they're becoming the cheerleader for their businesses? So the, the families and friends are? Yes, yeah, so it's it's how do you reach your client? There's two parts to it. How do we reach and create messages that stand out? And then when you obtain those clients, how do you create great experiences for them so that they're sharing their experience with the businesses um, on social media and, and telling how great they are? Right. Now, I read in your bio that you uh, one of the ways that you tried to stand out was you would send uh, clients and maybe also prospects, I don't know, handmade caramels on their birthday. That is kind of a, it's definitely a way to stand out. Can you tell me a bit more about that and what the impact was? Yeah, so I could show you hundreds of uh, emails and we got phone calls and things from just sending out those caramels. And it was a way that we could create a little, uh, you know, a better connection with our customers and letting them know that we're thinking of them outside of just when they need our products or services or, you know, when we may have something to 
sell to them. Mm-hmm. And it, it really turned out to be something uh, really a key key part of our business in our relationship building. And we actually bought the business last <laughs> year, last year um, because the lady that owned it was a, was, a, was a personal friend of our family. And she came, she came to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm retiring. What's going to close the doors? So <laughs> I, I freaked out about 25 pounds of caramels right on the spot. <laughs> right. Okay. And that's a lot of caramels. Uh, yep. But the reason was because it, it was such an important part of our business. And, and it was so easy to work with Joan was her name and the way we kind of had a, we kind of would like share document and I could load clients information and their birthdays and she would just take care of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. Really easy to work with. And then so when she said that, I went out and tried to find a replacement mm-hmm. for what we had been doing for years. And I come to find out there's not, there, I couldn't find anybody that really had the caramels that were as good as hers for one. <laughs> but the way that we worked together was so unique that no one else really worked that way. I mean, so it created this urgency to buy her business, right? So <laughs> now now that we bring that to the marketing side, and now that, that creates a question that we can ask businesses based on our experience, if, if you were to say that you were going to close your doors today, mm-hmm. is your customers going to panic? Or <laughs> are you just a Google search away from being replaced? Because if so, then now you're just, you know, you're, you're competing for pennies and dollars on all these projects. So right. are you creating such an experience for your clients that if you were to say, I'm out the door, that it would create a panic and that, uh, you know, you're, you're that valuable or and you've created that um, strong of a, an experience for them? Mm-hmm. So in this case, I mean, there are plenty of other candy manufacturers out there. Partially you're saying it was the quality, but also the fact that she would do everything for you. You didn't have to get involved in remembering when people's birthdays were and buying and bundling and shipping. Right. She understood what was important to me. Yeah. And those that when we were doing our customer journey mapping, you know, what's the frustration of business owners? Well, what's what's our number one um, hurdle? Time, right? Messing Mm -hmm. around with everything. Well, she took that whole whole part of that, not having time to do stuff, and she took care of it. And and she made it an easy and a great experience to it to where that get, get spoiled by it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's really clever and it makes a lot of sense it reminds me of um one of the companies that i interviewed it was a pet food an online pet food store and what they would do is whenever they send out a shipment of pet food they would throw in a cookie for the human owner <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome yeah wasn't it yeah that's great you know my my wife just got something in the mail uh, it has like a little loop to hold your phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had all these little little gift in there for her. Then they signed a little card and things like that. Man, she was just like so excited because it was unexpected. So absolutely, when you can do stuff like that, that's how you stand out in the crowd. Well, and that's the thing that really strikes me is we are at this incredibly wonderful time right now where it's still so easy to stand out. Like you don't have to do anything really, really big or expensive. You don't have to take over Times Square to stand out. 
if something as simple as, you know, sending a handwritten thank you note or a cookie or a caramel has a huge impact, it's amazing that more companies don't do that. Why do you think they don't? Well, my take on it is that technology has made us so busy Mm -hmm. and so efficient that we forget the little things. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing, and you're right. It's not hard, and, it's, and it doesn't have to be expensive. It can, like you said, a handwritten note yeah. came a long way. Yeah. And, you know, people want to work with people they like right. first. So why not build that relationship with the customer, um, doing those, a few little extra things to strengthen that because then when they're talking to people, this is where your referrals come in. Mm-hmm. When they're talking to people and something strikes a con, you know, a comment strikes a, a, a thought of your, where your company could be of service, you're going to be the first one they think of. Yeah. But, but I think it's the time. I think we just get so busy that, you know, they take the time to sit down and handwrite notes. People are like, well, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that their existing clients are their most valuable asset that they can grow from. Right. Yeah. Now, what about a company that's just starting and doesn't have existing clients? What can they do to stand out? What I would do is I would go, depending on what your industry is, Mm -hmm. and I would go through the motion of the customer journey mapping. What does a customer have to go through to use your products and your services? Mm -hmm. And find out what's the lowest point. Because when we go through any kind of buying process, whether we're, you know, working with businesses or on the retail side, there's an emotional roller coaster, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say find that low point of the emotional roller coaster, if you will, where the customer is the least happiest mm-hmm. and fix it. Find a way to make it in a, a enjoyable experience and that's how you will stand out from the crowd and the noise um, by doing that. We use the example of buying a car, a used car, tra- or trading in your car for a new car. Mm-hmm. And I'm not picking on the automobile industry. <laughs> Although there's lots of potential to pick on them. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just a great. It, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just a great model because everybody can relate to it. Yeah. And if you find the two lowest points of the emotional uh, journey. It's when they are negotiating the price of the, the vehicle they're going to buy and then getting the trade-in value. Yeah. Those are usually the most low points. Mm-hmm. There's a company down in Texas that they have the pricing online, and the price you see is the price you pay. There's, there is no negotiating. That's just the way they do it. And then you can take pictures. They call it take selfies of your car. Mm-hmm. And you send it into them, and they, you know, unless you bring it in on a trailer and are totally <laughs> not represented what you've sent to them, they're going to tell you what your trading value is right there, and they give it to you. And wow. They are tearing it up, and I know some some people from here in Bloomington that have drove down to Texas to get their vehicle because they've taken the two lowest point of the process and made it an, uh, made it an experience, an enjoyable one. Hmm. And so. That same concept can be used in businesses on make it, you know, to stand outside the crowd. That is a really great example. I love that one. I'm going to be using that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then they also do, you know, after the sales, well, they get it, 
you know, they've called, um, they've called the people after, after they had the car for a month, they're asking them how they're, if they're happy with it. Um, they even send them a box of candies, <laughs> said, and then, you know, they call them again. So they, they get that. It's not just after you sign and you leave, you know, they take care of that and they get you in and out quick too. So, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of process there that is a good model yeah. to r- run with for businesses mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how they can, they make it easier and a better experience for the customer. Yeah. And, and in a case like that, what's interesting is they're in a sense, they're innovating the business model. They're taking the risk that on the surface, their price will appear higher. And yet by making it so easy to determine the trade and value and make the whole thing happen, I guess once they got over that initial hurdle of people seeing higher prices, it starts to spread that they're so easy to deal with. And in fact, the price isn't higher. Right. I mean, so one of them said the price was lower, uh, was a better price. One said it was just they like the convenience. And, you know, and, and research is showing that we will pay for experiences. Yeah. So, you know, don't get so fixated on the price because if you can create a, a different overall experience for people working with your customer or working with your business, yeah, you know, they will pay for that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and that is a, is a trend that is, a, if you watch – like I said, they look at all the research is doing. Uh, they say by 2020 that we will pay for an experience over price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the majority, which I think is I think we're there now. But that's where research is, as you know, putting the date on it, if you will. Well, and I guess to a certain extent, depends who. I mean, there are people at the bottom end of the economic ladder who just have to pay whatever little amount they can, but. There's a huge proportion of the population that can and will pay more. In fact, I was just writing about that and thinking about the fact that, you know, people pay huge amounts for an Apple iPhone when there are much cheaper alternatives that do most of the same things, or they'll pay to bring their family to Disney when they really can't justify that cost. And it's because the experiences are so great, although I personally think Apple's is starting to fade a bit. Um, But traditionally those experiences have been so great that people will they'll borrow money they'll do what they need to to try and make that work so it's certainly i think that's very true we're because we're always being entertained yeah if you're you don't watch commercial because you're on your phone you're being entertained by social media so our our inner self i'm not a psychiatrist anyway, <laughs> nor do i claim to be one on tv um, but you know <laughs> I mean, we're always just, our brains are just always going somewhere. And our attention span is, what, now eight seconds? Yeah. So, you know, that's why I say, you know, the things that you mentioned, you know, we're always looking for experience. I think we're going to gravitate to that more and more because we're just getting so efficient and we've got so much going on. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that interested me about you, and, and I'm intrigued by the whole concept of innovating businesses and business models, and I'd like to talk a little bit about your app, Fanvius. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So if you haven't figured out, I'm, I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the app allows you to order food and merchandise while you're at sporting events and concerts and have it delivered to your seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, the idea came from going to a line for merchandise while at a concert three times, and the line was backed up to the door. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that 
it really frustrated me because I wasn't going to wait. I didn't want to miss the show. The, the tickets are so expensive. Yeah. So, you know, the so we came up with the idea. Well, we originally had the first version of the app was called Sweet Seats. <laughs> we scrapped that, and I actually have got business partners now with Fambius. And we just came out about four weeks ago with our white label program. So it will actually be the Venues app. We're just powering it in the back. Okay. So the way it would work, though, I mean, somebody's still got to deliver this stuff to your seat. And if they're not willing to put enough people on the counters selling stuff, why would they be willing to pay to have someone delivering it to your seat? Well, many of these venues are, are spending millions of dollars because of what for Wi-Fi connection, for starters. Okay. Because the fans are demanding to be there on their phone. Yep. And the fans are wanting more experience. The, the cost to go to these events is getting more expensive every yeah. year. Yep. And, you know, when you're paying premium dollars, you don't want to miss the show. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and they're realizing that. And that's where that's coming into play. And in some of the, in some cases, the venue may char- charge a small surcharge to use the service, which would help cover the cost of implementing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there's also advertising opportunities that we've created on there to offset cost as well. So, okay. you know, we've we've created ways to minimize the implementation costs for the venue in in any kind of you know surcharge to the right. fans. So it's totally customizable for the venue. Right. Uh, depending on, you know, what they want to do with it. And by white labeling it, it means that the venue is getting the marketing benefit from it, which makes exactly. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So the other aspect of your past that is interesting, I gather, is you have done a lot of event-based marketing. And I was wondering if you could comment a little bit on that. I mean, obviously organizing and hosting an event is a lot more effort than sending someone a box of caramels. So how do you turn attendees into regular clients when you've put on an event? Well, the idea of the event is to not drown them in the topic. Okay. So, um, because, and don't hold me to these statistics, but I think they say that when you go to an event, you you forget 80% of it within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Then within a week, you've forgot 90%. Yep. So if you're going to hold an event, you've got to realize, what is that 10% that I want them to remember? Hmm. And you have to make that the key part of it and, you know, keep things short uh, as far as, you know, points that you're trying to put across. Because that's that's how you grab their attention is that you don't create so much to where you lose them mm-hmm. and and then you know that at the end of uh, an event if you're holding one you know you've got to create some kind of offering yeah uh, you know to to a call to action if you will to where people can uh, reach out to you for you know to, to, to use your services if needed so you know depending on what it is that you have it's got it's got to have great value to the to, to the attendees Mm-hmm. That uh, they feel like they can implement something right away. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing. What is one? You know, have one or two, three things that you want them to be able to implement right away, so they they feel that value right away. Yes. And, and keep it. You know, just keep it simple. Really. Well, it's interesting your comment about not overloading them with information because I think that really applies as well to things like websites. So the research shows that if you only give three 
choices as far as price structure go, you're going to be way more successful than if you try and have pricing that applies to every different possible combination. Um, so it comes back again to that experience, keeping things simple and easy for people, I would think is, is, gonna, is a huge part of that. Yeah, I mean, because it's just overwhelming. I mean, again, our attention span, you got to remember, our attention span, eight seconds, four, <laughs> some, four for some. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if I go to the site and I'm just floored with so much text that I just don't even know where to start and finish, I'm gone. Yeah. You want to keep it in simple. You want to keep it simple. The Aristotle uh, rule of three still applies yes. today. Yeah. And, and I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, so... You've got to keep it, make it easy for people to know what you have and how to choose it. Right. And, and that's how you want to do that. Keep it, you know, the, the threes definitely is a, is a powerful number two to run with. So if you're trying to distill everything to the simplest possible message, doesn't that potentially contradict with finding your unique selling proposition? Because, you know, let's take a bunch of apps, well, or offerings, and everyone's saying in the business to business world, well, it'll lower your costs, or it'll increase your profits. And that is distilling something to the simplest possible benefit. So how do you manage, especially if you're in a line of work where there is absolutely a ton of competition? How do you manage to differentiate then? Well, that's where the customer experience comes in when you get people that you're, you are working with. Because let's face it, if I tell you that I'm great, yep, nobody cares. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. But now if you're talking to somebody and they say, hey, uh, call those people over at Triple R Marketing. That Matt is great. Guess what? That has some merit to it and that will stick. So what can you do to get your customers to be your cheerleaders? Yeah. Because it's true. In, in the Nobody cares what for the most part, what businesses are saying, how great they are. It's, it's, it's lame. So are you one of the people then who believes that cold calling is dead? I don't believe it's dead because you got to start somewhere. Okay. So what do you do then if you're cold calling to convey that? No, as you say, nobody is going to believe you that you're the greatest. So, so how do you overcome that resistance? How do you make your message stand out in a voicemail or an email? So, you know, it's kind of like what makes you unique? So when you're making cold calls, you know you still have to have a unique offering. Mm-hmm. To say that I can say, you know, we're going to save you ten percent off your insurance if you give us a chance is kind of vague, right? Mm-hmm. But what if you said, "Hey, I'll have a meeting with you." I mean, if you're so, if you're sure that you can save someone ten percent, yeah, you can be confident in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Hey, give me five minutes of your time. If I don't save you 10%, I'll send you a gift card to a restaurant or something. Right. So you're, you're guaranteeing it, basically. You, you know, you know, because you've got to kind of set yourself apart from just saying what everybody else is doing. Follow, you've got to have some kind of action. Mm-hmm. Word, you know, words are one thing, actions are another. Right. And again, it's where, you know, it's where getting people talking about you. That's, that's an action. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's ways to do that. I don't think cold calling is dead. I just don't. I, I mean, I think I think I think it's important to do a little bit of, of, of all sorts of marketing because when you cold call, that keeps you on your edge. Yeah. You know, on, on your on your marketing edge. So I I definitely don't wouldn't say it's gone by the wayside. But there's a lot of better ways as well. You know, LinkedIn is very powerful now because you can see who's connected to who. Mm-hmm. 
granted, everybody connects. They don't know everybody. Yeah, that's become a real problem. I, I started using LinkedIn, I think, during its first year. And certainly in the first few years that I used it, I only connected with people I really, really knew. And then it just got to the point where it became this game where you pretty much accept anyone who isn't obviously trying to spam you. <laughs> so, right. so. But I, but I love LinkedIn because what I will try to do is if we connect, I'll, hey, you want to jump on a quick call for a few, you know, five minutes? What do you do? I'll tell you what I do. Because really, that's another part about growing a business, especially if you start, is building your network. Mm hmm. Um, it, you know, LinkedIn's a great platform to do that because, uh, you know, you start connecting with people and you start talking to them without trying to sell them something. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the worst thing. Don't, don't <laughs> yes. connect, connect with them and try to sell them something. That's not going to work. Yeah. But if you let them know what you're doing and kind of where you're going and listen to them, people, you know what, for the most part, we try, we like to help each other out. Yeah. And, you know, you might, you might be able to open some doors, uh, you might be able to help open some doors. For them, and they might be able to help open some doors for you. So sure. I'm just getting started. I'm I'm doing some cold calling. I'm making sure that I have something really unique that grabs attention that people will want to, um, you know, be a part of. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm using I am using LinkedIn. I'm trying to connect with as many people as I can that I may you know that have some sort of common connection. Yep. Learn about them. Going to networking events, you know. And as you start doing that, you'll start seeing opportunities arise. For sure. Okay, we're pretty much at the end of our time. Is there anything you wish that I had asked you that I haven't? Um, you know, I never even thought about that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. If nothing uh, jumps out at you. You did good. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Matt. I totally agree with Matt when he says that you need to stand out to catch attention and you need to do some unique things for your customers to help turn them into your cheerleaders. You'll find some other examples of companies doing that in the Frank Reactions podcast, including the episode that I mentioned in there, which was called From Pet Pictures to Profits, How a Pet Food Store Succeeds Online. And that was actually in my predecessor podcast, which was Frank Online Marketing. You can find that by going to frankreactions.com forward slash FOM40. So F-O-M and then the number 40. I will also, of course, have a link to it in the show notes. I'm not sure that I fully agree with his proposed LinkedIn strategy. It worked a year or two ago when not so many people were offering to, quote, jump on a quick call to get to know each other. But I find that now I'm getting so many of those that I don't accept the offer unless the person's message to me has made it really clear exactly what we have in common and says something that suggests they've actually taken the time to research me and my company and how we might actually make sense collaborating together. And I'm really sorry if that makes me sound arrogant, but the reality is we are all so overloaded and we all have to set priorities for how we can use every minute of our limited time. It's kind of like the problem that Matt Dixon, the co-author of The Challenger Sale, and I discussed in episode 119 about sales reps asking what keeps you up at night. You've got to respect your prospects time enough to do some homework first. And if you're interested in that Matt Dixon episode and you missed it, go to frankreactions.com forward slash 119. Another little postscript to today's interview is he talked about the app Fanvius, but uh, turns out that app no longer exists. 
but it closed not due to lack of interest, but rather for a personal reason and I guess some issues among the co-founders. However, the concept is still an interesting one. And I think there are other apps that are doing the same thing now or trying to. Before we go, just a few other things I wanted to mention quickly. Next Thursday, March 8th, I will be speaking about the differences in marketing to women and men at an International Women's Day event put on by the Sherwood Park Chamber of Commerce. You can find tickets for that on Eventbrite. Just search Sherwood Park Chamber of Commerce International Women's Day. There's also an iMedia conference taking place in Edmonton the couple of days after that on Friday and Saturday, March 9th and 10th. And I will be part of a panel there about using podcasts as a content marketing tool. There are going to be a whole bunch of really practical hands-on sessions there about how you can use digital tools and digital marketing more effectively. So if you're interested in that, go to www.imediaconference.ca. And finally, a thank you yet again to ATB Financial, which not only powers the Alberta Podcast Network, but has totally bought into the notion that to deliver great customer service, you need happy employees. If you want to be one of those happy employees, I'd suggest you check out their job listings. You can find those at their website or on their LinkedIn page. There's a whole lot of hiring going on over at ATB Financial. Have a wonderful couple of weeks. Bye.